Talking Therapy from Talking the Bay with Chris Moore. Hello and welcome to another podcast from Talk in the Bay, a counselling and psychotherapy practice started in Cardiff in 2008. Talking Therapy aims to demystify the many options and choices available to you when you're searching for therapy and a therapist to best meet your needs. And maybe listening to some of the people you'll hear from will help you take that first step. We'll also talk about subjects and matters from the wider world of mental health and well-being, which we hope you'll find interesting. This time we're talking with Paul Billington, Wellbeing and Workplace Support Manager with Admiral Group PLC. We'll hear how the business partnership with Talk in the Bay has helped its staff, how Admiral has approached the well-being of its people throughout the company's existence, the benefits of flexible working and the challenge he faced looking after the employees throughout the COVID pandemic. But first, we hear about Paul's progression through the company during his almost three decades there. I've been working for Admiral now for actually just over 26 years. So I'm quite a, um, one of the original kind of crew, um, 1997. So we, we started in 93, I joined in 97. And I've had a, a variety of roles with the company. So I started off um, on the phones in the renewals department. And because it was quite a young company, I was quite lucky enough to, to kind of fall into management. So I've kind of moved around in a management position and then I ended up over the course of a number of years in HR or into people services, as we call it, um, about five years ago. And I set up a team at that point called Workplace Support, which was very much about looking after people who perhaps needed reasonable adjustments for anything from physical health reasons, disabilities, um, mental health, neurodiversity, etc., making sure that we could assist them to to be the best they could be. Over the last couple of years, that's developed, and then we blended with a, another area of of people services, which was health and well being. So we're now the the well being and workplace support team, and it, it is very much as it says on the tin, looking after the health and well being of our colleagues. So that might be providing them platforms to help them to support themselves. It might be line manager training and working with L&D on education and support. It might well be looking after accidents and claims that happen within the business or working with our DNI work stream. So we're also heavily involved in the disability work stream. There's a, a considerable overlap between our work and theirs. And so we're able to implement a lot of solutions to enable people to come to Admiral, no matter what they need, what they think the barriers are to, to being in a workplace, is to hopefully get rid of those barriers, or they're not even in existence really, is to enable them to to join with as little difficulty as possible and have all of the tools that they need to, to be able to do their job. Let's Step back then, because I remember the early days of, of Admiral in the 90s. I was working for a, a commercial radio station then, and we did a lot of work with Admiral in those, in those early days. Since then, of course, it's now become this, this enormous business. When was the point when Admiral decided that it, it should invest in the well-being of its staff? I think it's fair to say that Admiral's always been invested in the well-being of its staff. And it's one of the things that I really believe has been a differentiator between us and a lot of other companies out there. Certainly, you know, in the early days, 
there weren't many companies that were really heavily invested. You know, you'd look at your Googles as they came about and, and other areas that were heavily looking at what it would take to get the best out of, of their workforce. For us, we've always believed that, and it, and it goes back to the um, original gentleman who, who began the company with a collection of others, Henry Engelhart, and he said, people who enjoy what they do, do it better. And so that could be the job that they do, but it's also how they're managed and how they're supported. And, and we built, I think, and that's what made Admiral very successful, is we built a, a community within the workplace. It wasn't just a place of work. It was a place where you built very strong friendships and relationships with people. It got a, a job done. So everybody was, was coming together in, in a commonality of purpose, I guess. And part of that was making sure that we would support each other. And so well-being has been kind of key to our success over the years. I think in terms of when did we kind of knuckle down and really strategically look at well-being, I guess would be when we had a, a well-being manager well, that, that first came up was probably, I would say, about 10 years ago. And then from there, that's developed into a group looking after that. And then it's branched out using centers of excellence like learning and development, et cetera. We now have a strategy for well-being and it's company-wide and we have a strategy for mental health. And I, I remember that there was um, something called the Stevenson Report came out from the government around about 2017, I think it was, which was very much giving you as a workplace indicators about how best to help people with well-being and particularly with with mental health because that was gaining in i guess infamy in terms of its prevalence as kind of the next big impact for people's well-being you know it's i think nowadays we take it as a given that Famous people talk about it. There's countless books about it. And you know, Ruby Wax has done her tour. And there's there's a lot of work out there about mental health. But there was a day when it wasn't really talked about. And so we used that report and we've used a couple of other areas that give you kind of a, a lead into how best to manage it and how best to approach it. And we've used all of that to to drive our strategy. So we very much take on board what's out there in the, the public domain and what, what best practice looks like. But we also look internally at what our people are telling us and what people look to be needing to better support them. And that evolves over time. So I think realistically, you know, I think the last 10 years we've really centered and focused on well-being strategically and then that's informed our programs and our support and, and how we take it forward i mean this is talking therapy from from talking the bay and and you've been working with that business for a couple of years now what would you say are the benefits for admiral uh, of working with a local counseling and therapy service transparency we we do have an eap service so that works very, very well, and obviously addresses quite a lot of different types of, of concerns colleagues might have, be it financial or 
um, legal and whatnot, and there's there's obviously a mental health strand to that. For us, though, it, it really came to the fact that people often need something very, very quick and easily accessible and, and like to see people when they talk to them. And so the Ear to Listen service, which is what we started with, with Talk in the Bay a few years back, was very much the ability to get exactly that, an ear to listen. Someone who was a therapist was obviously skilled and had the right qualifications, etc. But they were easily accessible. They were accessible in the office. You could see them on the day that they were in. It was very much um, a short turnaround. So you wouldn't have to necessarily wait weeks to have an appointment. You would have one very, very quickly. And the, the aim of it was to have a maximum of three sessions. So it was just an ear to listen. It was to get very, very quick guidance or support for whatever your your concerns were at the time. And I think having a local service, and certainly this is obviously built over the years, is talking the Bay have gotten to know us. They know us as a company. They understand our culture and our structure, etc. And that really, really helps them to understand what some of the, the workplace challenges that people might be facing are, because, you know, let's not be coy about it. People have personal problems, relationship problems, et cetera, et cetera, but they will have work problems. That That's a natural kind of thing that comes out of, of being a person, um, generally speaking. So ultimately, having people who understand our structure as a company, what departments actually do, what, what people are doing day to day, what our structure is in terms of, of how we maintain or help to maintain people's well-being. So they are aware of the programs that we have in place and some of the offerings that we have and some of the courses that we provide for managers, et cetera. And they also help us to build some of that as well. So what's really, really good about having that established relationship is that it's the knowledge of who we are. It's the knowledge of how we do things. And that really, really helps to build very productive partnerships in terms of as I say, the programs of support that we have, the ability when somebody does use the service, that the person on the other end of that call, obviously some of them are video calls now, so the other end of that call, does understand that role, understands what the culture is, understands what what kind of support that people generally get from their manager, their people manager, their line manager, or what other offerings we might have. And that gives them a really solid basis for really good conversation, I think, because the person who's reaching out doesn't necessarily have to go into immense amount of detail to bring them up to speed with with what the company is like in terms of its structure and in terms of um, what the demands of people are with their roles, etc. And so there's there's almost a shorthand then, which is which is really effective because it's better use of the person's time, and the person feels understood very quickly. And how have the staff? responded to the ear to listen service what what kind of impact has it had they responded incredibly well um to the point where uh, you know at one stage it, it didn't really fulfill its purpose we we were oversubscribed for people who wanted to use ear to listen and wanted to to get that very very quick short-term support and so we we bolstered the service especially through the pandemic that it was in, integral to helping people to manage through that, we, we we raised the profile, obviously, and we had a, a huge take up in terms of people reaching out for the service. 
And I think the response has been really good, if only because they're dealing with, as I said, people who understand what the work that they're engaged in is. It's local, so it's people within the vicinity of where they live, almost. So, you, again, you understand the culture, you understand the regionality of things, and we've had such great feedback from colleagues who've used the service because we're really really big on understanding how are people finding it and that goes from just not just us but talking the bay obviously the therapists want to make sure that they're getting out of it what they hope to get out of it and so we have a, a feedback form so we can understand where perhaps it, it isn't doing the right thing or it is doing the right thing and but on the whole actually the feedback has been immense um, what it has helped people to do is to go on and get assistance where they think they may need it if they do need further assistance. So there's a lot of signposting can happen, um, our EAP service and various other supportive offerings that we have internally and externally. Because Talk in the Bay are aware of what we do and how we do it, they can easily signpost to the things that will help our colleagues. And I think that's really, again, it just... The relationship is really, really strong then. And so the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. So it's good for the staff, but 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 let's talk about the managers. How has it helped managers at Admiral, this personal service provided by, by Talk in the Bay? It gives them a really strong tool to be able to know that being a manager is a difficult role. Ultimately, you're responsible not just for productivity and things like that. You're responsible for the well-being of people. And then the people that you that you work with on your teams, et cetera, knowing that there are really robust support structures out there that they can refer to when they should, and that they're not taking on too much themselves, and that there is a line in the sand and it needs to be professional assistance at this point. They know where to go. They know what the service will provide, and they know that that person is going to get the, the right attention at the right time. It provides them another tool in their toolkit that should anybody on their team or then they themselves need assistance and they need it fairly quickly, there are a number of op- sort of avenues that they can go down and Ear to Listen is one of those. Call Talk in the Bay on 029 or find us online on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. In regard to the well-being services that are available and that are in place, what would you describe as Admiral's return on the investment that you've put into the schemes? It's interesting. So return on investment isn't always visible. You can look at return on investment as being sickness absence might reduce. And it may well have. And, you know, that might be attributable to a number of things that might be attributable to talk in the bank, might be attributable to ear to listen, or it might be how that person was managed. And that may have had an effect on them. The return on investment is an interesting one, because sometimes it's a case of you offer something out there because it's the best thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And knowing that people are much more open to asking for assistance means that we should 
be able to supply the support structures that when somebody does need assistance, they get it. And ultimately, that return on investment might well be that they're in work more often than they're not, or it might be that they are much more engaged in their work or that they have a positive outlook as regards their manager or admiral in general. So there are are a number of ways that return on investment can be measured. I think, yes, we measure some of those things and yes, we can see that there is that return on investment, but there is also the idea that some things are worth doing, whether or not you know that they made a difference, so to speak. And so you can put a service in place for people that you can see the take up is quite low. Um, That isn't the case for this, but let's say that you've got a service where the take up is low, but the fact that people know it's there and the fact that people will take it up when they need it is enough sometimes. And that it's worth having that in place because ultimately it's going to assist people at some point in their career. And I think that goes for a lot of things that that you do in sort of the well-being space. Sometimes there isn't that immediate return on investment. And sometimes, as somebody said to me, actually quite recently, sometimes return on investment is the enemy of, of innovation. And so sometimes you've got to do things because they feel right and they seem right and they seem to be something that you think is the right thing to do for something that might be six months away, but it's right to start it now. And sometimes you, you've got to go with that because you can see or you the feedback you get from your colleagues or what you're reading in the press or whatever it might be. Something is giving you an indication that it's worth worth doing something now. For instance, we, we began a menopause policy and we wrote one several years ago before companies were really looking at it as something that they should really be engaging with. And this year, certainly the last 12, 18 months, companies around the UK have kind of really, really launched their own policies, their own support structures. Well, we did it five years ago. And we did it because at the time we felt it was something that was the right thing to do. And so was there an immediate return on investment back then? Probably not. You know, you're putting something out there, you're testing the water, you're hoping that it's going to make a difference and it might make a difference for some people right then, but also it might make a difference for some people two years later, but it's still worth doing. If you look at the Admiral website, you'll see a number of interviews with staff who have benefited from being able to to be more flexible in the hours they work and the way they work. And it could be for a variety of reasons. It could be for health problems. It could be for childcare or whatever. Admiral has signed up to the Association of British Insurers Flexible Work Charter. Tell me a bit about that. Admiral is very much committed to being flexible where at all possible. We spent we, we believe in a test and learn approach with a great many things. And so we've always been open to people's personal circumstances because ultimately delivery of work is one thing. The outcome is what you're after. How that's structured could be that people are working four days in the morning, four days in the evening because they've got childcare in the middle of the day or something like that. If the outcome is still there, then how that work is managed that can be changed. And so ultimately, flexibility is is key from an opportunity point of view, from a diversity point of view, for, for all sorts of reasons. And ultimately, as I said, I think a lot of companies have come to this conclusion, especially during the pandemic, is that 
when people were working from home and you couldn't see them, their output and the outcomes that they were delivering was what was important. Um, not necessarily how they structured their day, et cetera. And so that flexibility, even though we've been very, very um, progressive with that over the years anyway, I think more and more companies are getting to follow that that kind of lead. And so our signing up to that charter, I think, was, to be honest, it's very similar to some of the other things that we do. We were doing these things anyway so why not sign up and actually pledge to it in a demonstrative way? Because we were already trying things on, being flexible. We, we, try, we were trialing homeworking way before the pandemic. So we were looking at ways to realistically approach work that was maintaining that, that work-life balance. It was giving people what they needed and we were getting what we needed. And so ultimately, that, that's best outcome for everybody the covid shadow is still enormous i mean you can't get away from from talking about it it's affected every business across the world almost and even though we are now what just over three years on from the first lockdown how did the pandemic affect admiral in terms of the way you managed your people's well-being given that as you've mentioned probably a, a large majority if not at the beginning all of them were working from home we were lucky that we had spent a lot of time and effort pre-COVID on well-being, what it meant to us in a strategic way, what it meant to us in a practical way in terms of what we were delivering. We just doubled down on some of the things that we already had in place. So for instance, we had EAP and Airtelist and things like that. We opened that up to not just members of staff, but their um, dependents. And that line still exists to this day. We, we've, we've kept that in place because from our point of view, there's real benefit having people who are spouse or daughter or son or whatnot of, of members of staff being able to use some of those services as well. So we've kept a lot of the things that we branched out with during COVID. But it sounds a bit disingenuous to say it, but we had a lot of things in place that we we simply just ramped up and made you know, we would increase the number of appointments that were available for people for X. We would deliver more sessions of training about how to cope in the hybrid or the remote working world and what that actually meant. And so we were already on a journey, I think, because of remote working. We were already exploring that. And we were already exploring the tools and the technologies to have that happen. So yes, it accelerated those things. But I think... In terms of well-being, what, what was interesting was watching everybody else's kind of reactions to it. And as I reflect back on it, I was really proud of what we'd done prior to that and during that, that I've seen other people explore during COVID and afterwards. And that well-being has become something that's on everybody's high-level strategy, that it is important in a way that perhaps it wasn't before so it's kind of highlighted those things that are key for our colleagues happiness their their contentment in work their ability to to work and produce good work etc is well-being is a really really big part of that so i think covid has given us a sense of that we do we've been doing good yes we certainly explored other routes and what it's ultimately done is expanded out to look at 
possible avenues of support that weren't immediately available pre-COVID and now suddenly are, and that there's there's much more option, there's many more sorry options out there to explore in terms of support. So I think for us, it's made it clearer that well-being should continue to be high on people's agenda and that's people from owning their own well-being and what it means to them and engaging with things that are offered to them as and when they feel that they should and then it's the education of people and managers etc and why it's important and how signposting and support can actually help people outside of the workplace as well because that work-life balance is different now and people working from home is a different challenge I guess and so having that high up on our agenda means that whenever we do anything whenever we make a change etc we always consider these avenues of support as part of the journey I guess. For businesses who aren't as far along the line as Admiral are uh, in the world of of looking after the well-being of, of their staff, what would you say are the benefits of consulting with an external agency to come on board to help you as a manager look after your staff? I think ultimately every company has subject matter experts. Every company has experience with a variety of different arenas and uh, you know they've got the roles for a reason. But the challenge is to make sure that you're keeping up to date. The challenge is to make sure that you're asking for the right advice when you need it, that you're challenging yourself to be better and to look at things outside of the box. And I think by working with external people and external experts is really, really important it's really important because it helps you make sure you've got a strategy that is fit for purpose, that's future-proof, that's looking for things on the horizon that you may not be aware of, but other people are. It's making sure that you capitalize on, as I say, the expertise that's out there and that you can bring it in in a scalable way that hopefully helps everyone take a piece of something that might help them in their daily life whether that be work or outside of work because ultimately we're we're very aware of uh, that kind of cross-pollination of of work and, and life you know we all want to work somewhere where we enjoy what we're doing the people are great to work with etc and part of that is making sure that as a company we're using the right resources and the right expertise to deliver what we need to to make sure that, that people who, who love what they do do it better. That's it for this edition of Talking Therapy. Don't forget to click subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any of our future shows. And if you'd like to leave a five-star review, that would be much appreciated. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Talking Therapy is a Chris Moore media production for Talk in the Bay.